Welcome to the Oh Dear Podcast. My name is Christian Duran, Senior Vice President of the Oh Dear Podcast, Oh Dear Nation, Oh Dear Limited, and all subsidiaries there in 42 Witch. With me on the one podcast where we talk about the things that will make your mother clutch her pearls and say, Oh dear, are my hosts, Brett Raybould and special guest star, Todd Portnowitz. Oh dear. Yeah, let it out, dude. Let it out. Champ. Oh dear! <laughs> you know SNL has the five timers club. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta get Todd Portnowitz. We gotta get in that the oh dear five timers club. I know, just as prestigious. <laughs> oh <laughs> dear! I just, I'm just, I'm just only gonna say oh dear the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck up the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, we Christian up. We're like, I don't, I don't think we should have him back. I don't know. It's like kind of a funny bit, but we yeah. really did it. Yeah, we're just like, wow, there's a lot of COVID deaths this year. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, this is my. I think it's my first time on since from the new intro, the new Christian. Uh, Oh yeah, new, new Christian intro. So that's big. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Do you like the Christian intros, or are they <laughs> shitty? Or I, I yeah. like the tension of of waiting to see if he's going to get it right each time. It's like a high. It's a real high wire act. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like watching a David Blaine stunt, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. He's like the evil Knievel of. Uh, Ver- verbal can ver- verbal <laughs> or something i don't know <laughs> this is also the first time i've i've subbed in for whitmer I, i'm used to channeling brett now i'm gonna have to like lower my faith in the u.s government by 30 to 40 percent yeah channeling brett he just comes in with some retarded publicity stunt <laughs> But Whitmer is just you guys. Getting... I convinced the CEO of Microsoft to give me ten dollars. <laughs> All right, here's how. Yeah, I didn't have any technical issues coming in, so I'm already at a loss. <laughs> well, uh, Whitmer is is gone uh, due to his baby actually being born. He was what if you had said Whitmer is gone due to COVID-19? Uh, <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah, he's away this week uh, being a new father. He, yeah, young May Rose Whitmer was born. Beautiful. May Rose, beautiful. So happy right. for for young Whit. Yes, That's better than some Miles Turner. What is it, Miles? What <laughs> Miles is it? What Miles is it? Parker. Miles Coltrane or something? Miles, <laughs> Miles Parker ass bullshit. Ugh, what kind of name is that? Listen, when you have a kid, you can name him whatever you want. I will, bro. I'm gonna I'm gonna name my kid Miles Parker. <laughs> I would do something like that just to, <laughs> just for the bit. Just, to, just for like a bit that's like you know half a laugh. Yeah. And then I moved to like Cincinnati and then you're like, oh, what'd you name Miles Parker? Well, you see, there's a dude I used to know. <laughs> and, then, and then I'd be like to my family, I'd be like, guys, we're going to Cincinnati. They'd be like, what? Is there an opportunity? No, a bit. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so uh, congratulations to the Whitmers and the new baby. I did want to ask you about this because we off air, we mentioned Todd's, uh, Todd's background here. He's got a nice little... Uh, study area where he's recording in front of and I, I just want to know have you read all those books when I see a person with a lot of books I go have you read all those books um here on the left 
probably yes. Here on the right, uh, most summer Laura's. So those I haven't read, but almost everything on my shelf I've either read all of or some of. I admire that about Todd. Ever since I've known you, you've been a pretty like voracious reader. I mean, obviously you work in publishing, so like it makes sense. Yeah, but, but you'd like, be surprised how many how many fakers there are in publishing too. Yeah. You know, someone doesn't read when they organize their shelf by like color or like <laughs> like if, if there's any aesthetic element to the shelf, yeah. that means it's just there for looks. Right. How do you organize your? Any, like- anyone who actually reads has no fucking clue where any of their books are. There's yeah. randomly on the shelf or there's like a vague category like this is this used to be the poetry and now there's like a mix in because there wasn't room on the other shelf. Yeah. So, you know, somebody's full of shit when they have like, this is my David Foster Wallace section. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're full of shit for other reasons. But <laughs> I don't know when, when did he, sorry, when did he become like the joke or like the end, the punchline of the joke? I think like in the last three years or so it's it's become like it's like the the book a random guy will recommend right like too strongly to a woman (laughs) (laughs) right yeah that's the thing it's like i have read some of his stuff and i like it so i'm but it's also just like you don't want to say you like it because you it's like wearing Axe body spray. Even if you like, even it's, it smells it, good. Like you can't yeah. wear it. That's funny. It is yeah. intellectual Axe body spray. <laughs> oh God. Well, the other, the other big novelist that kind of fell in that category was this guy, Jonathan Franzen, who's got a right. new book. I don't know about this. Who's got a new book coming out. And there, another author, Emily Gould just wrote an article about the Jonathans and like the fall of the Jonathans and in, in writing in general. And her really? point was kind of like, this is actually a really good novel, even though everyone's just going to say it sucks. And like, I don't know. It was funny. She was like, there are honorary Jonathans. Like Michael Chabon is a Jonathan. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it, was, it was a good piece. That's but, yeah. What is, do you think, you know, do you think ever since the hot man started taking a beating, do you think <laughs> poor, poor, poor white man, the poor <laughs> white man, a break. Yeah. Can't catch a break, man. I haven't caught a break in millennia. But uh, <laughs> but um, do you think it's like, is that a component of it that like, you know, in publishing or like, you know, white male authors obviously are the most published probably of all time. And uh, not even is close. It, is it? Yeah, not even close. So is it like, uh, is there a component of it that is, you know, the idea? identity of it all is or are these guys specifically kind of turn douchey they have douchey interviews i it's almost like you're at a dinner party and like there's one guy who just is talking the entire time Mm. and and at a certain point they were like wait shouldn't the uh, some of the other people at the table tell us their story it's not even that like they hate white stories it's just like we've got it to a certain mm-hmm. point and it's kind of like let's hear other stories for a minute right. it, you know and it, and it makes sense but that doesn't mean you know Jonathan Franzen can't come in and write a great novel and, and that it shouldn't be lauded as such you know right you see that in you see, I feel like you see that in all every other aspect of like art or entertainment or whatever it's like uh, like they're like Christopher Nolan in film is kind of like that, where it's like, even if he makes a good movie that his fans are called Nolan bros. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it has less to do with the person or the author or whatever. And it has more to do with like 
the fan base and identifying with that fan base or like distancing yourself from the fan base. Yeah. Yeah. For In my sure. opinion, if that's what it feels like it has more to do with than anything. But for they sure. do that with so many because like, you know, even like, like I very much really like Tarantino, like yeah. his movies, most of them I watched and I got, it was either really good or that was fucking amazing. Yeah. But like I do, I know that that is also, there's like a, it's like the stereotype of like, oh, you're a, oh, you just like fucking love Tarantino. And it's like associated with being, shallow. I don't know if it's shallow. Yeah. And you're like, well, they're good. I don't know. Yeah, no. Or like very, I think Tarantino fans, maybe the stereotype film stereotype is like, they're highly vocal about it. It's kind of what you're saying. Right. Like you're the only one talking about the movies you like. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but there's all there's. I feel like there's all kinds of these artists that if you say you like them, you're you're automatically like taken to be a certain way or thing or person. And I, my my approach is just to enjoy it in silence if it's something that like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't I don't have to tell Twitter that I love it. You know, right? Yeah. That's I, you know, I highly disagree. I think you need to catalog every thought, <laughs> uh, and you're doing it. It's a shame. Well, you that, see that, we've talked about that before. It's like that happens with comedians too. Like Dane mm -hmm. Cook was that for a, a long time. I mean, not that I'm like saying that Dane Cook was like the highest of art, but like also like, you know, there's if that many people responded to it, there's a, there's something legitimate about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just dismissing it as like these, only these douchebags like this. It was like the Dane Cook one was like, especially for a lot, some comics were like these fucking like have you ever killed that hard like right. a little bit shut up you know what i mean right. like people who have done open mics for three years are like dude fucking sucks i'm like well i think he has something to him i mean right. there's an arena cheering so maybe there's I, some talent i remember i listened to a podcast of uh like you know somebody we knew we know in new york comedy and this is like you know they're probably like a couple of years in and they were talking about how they don't, neither of them, like, Jerry Seinfeld's so unfunny. It's like, uh, he's so bad. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, you, even if you have that opinion, you, you're not allowed to say it because of how, like, how nothing you are in comedy. Well, this happened right. a little bit with, like, it, the other way, too. Like, the thing that everyone loves, like, for example, with, with Ted Lasso, season right. one, everyone was like, oh, my God, this is, like, God-tier fucking television. Right. And then when season two came out, and people started watching it and they're like, this really sucks. Like, it's just like a candy version of what it used to be. Everything's like hyped up. The kind of humor that worked is now like doubled down on. And all these people were like, I don't want to step on any toes, but I'm <laughs> slightly not enjoying the first few. I'm like, are you kidding me? I watched 10 minutes of episode one and I was like, never fucking again. Why? <laughs> Why do we like, why just because season one is good, we have to like worry about everyone's feelings when we fucking right. say season two sucks. It's yeah. art, man. It's okay. The point of it is to go, it's like a low stakes tribalism where I can go, that sucks. And you go, it fucking rules. You suck. And it's like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, well, but, some of it has to do with like, I think this comedian, Jordan Temple, did I share, did I share that with you, Brett? You did. Know. Yeah. I think you, you sent the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Text. I just thought it was a great take on it. He's like, it's basically like, uh, he, he was saying that like Ted Lasso 2 is exactly why like comedy is where it is. It's like, it's because it's 
the idea that it's like more um, how does it go like they're doing something positive is more important than being funny yeah and that yeah. like is that's the the merit of it is more is greater than something that's just trying to be funny yeah it's like yeah he has a good point and then that's why people are reticent to criticize it because it's like it's like I don't know. They feel like they're criticizing BLM or something. Like, yeah, movement is more important than. Yeah, I, I saw another thing too that like what they didn't realize in making season two is that in season one everyone hates Ted Lasso and thinks that right. his like corny midwestern like philosophy is total bullshit, and yeah. yet he proves them wrong. Right. And then in season two, they're like, oh, Ted's right about everything. Let's celebrate his opinions. And then you're like, no, that's exactly why it right. worked the first season is because it wasn't that way. Yeah, because you're cynically watching him going like, yeah. oh, come on, where's the where's the where's the pain? Where's this? Wh- wh- when's the, the happy going to like shut off or something? Or Yeah. Or when's it going to like turn out to be a child molester or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, episode I'll, one, they open on a child fucking scene. It's like, oh, yeah. shit, they're getting after it. On our on a side note, Chris, we, you know our designation of like pretty good films, <laughs> yes, like, like the replacements. Ted yes. Lasso might be the first pretty good TV show. <laughs> yes, <Like>. dude, I, <laughs> yes, pretty it good. falls right in there. It's pretty good. But that but that was what was so like, I I think proof of how like starved for like true truly great quality, at least in the comedy realm because. I, like you see the billboards for Ted Lasso and it's like 49 Emmy award nominations. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, is no one else making anything? Like there's, I I've seen season one. You are, it, it is absolutely pretty good. It's so yeah. in the realm of pretty good. <laughs> it's one of the most pretty good things. I think we've, you're absolutely right. It's so pretty good. Like, it is you're, damn you're, pretty good. It's damn, it is damn pretty good. <laughs> Cause you watch and you're never like, you're never like laughing, laughing. You, you do like a few, like, Hmm, throughout the episode, they get a couple of the New Yorker cartoon laughs and then, uh, and then you end it and you're like, okay, that was a nice way to spend 22 minutes. Right. Like that was, you know, everything got resolved pretty easily, but it, it it's, I, I don't know. It's like so pretty good, but I think it's proof of like, you're right. Like liking it or at least the amount of love it got critically is either proof of how bankrupt the industry is on like truly original comedy on TV, or like you kind of just said, like you have to like it because there's some association that if you say it sucks, you're like, you're like, yeah, you're saying black lives matter sucks. Or <laughs> yeah. So yeah. even though they're unrelated, but that, that, yeah. that, that idea. It's just yeah. like it, it's the idea or the, what it's trying to do is more important than what it's supposed to do. Like yeah. the ambition is more important than the, uh, <laughs> that's so crazy. That's so true. The intention and the ambition of- is like the, the main goal, It's true. which is scary because you end up getting like a lot of logo and then like, it's like getting a package and then you open it up and like inside is, it's just like the paper or like whatever it is. And it's like right. based on the packaging. Right. Which is which really sucks. But, but yeah. That brings uh I mean this is a debate we've had before, but it's constantly relevant, which is art versus artist versus fan base. Like you like I know we've had the art versus artist conversation, you know, ad nauseum on like 
he makes good TV, but he's got 58 rape accusations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 58. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, that's one specific guy. Yeah. But uh, but the fan base is one that I'm like, there are some fan bases that kind of do ruin the art. Like, take a Fight Club, for example. Fight Club is a fucking amazing movie. I also it like really the book. Is. And, but like, you know, when it just becomes. That's one that's like, it, yeah. sorry, sorry. Cut you no, it's just like what? It's kind of that like uh pre Joker edgelordy. Like mm-hmm. I'm so fucking deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you have that poster in your room, like, you know, that kid. Yeah. Like, oh like, God. Imagine <laughs> going to being in like university now. Every, kids with the Joker poster. So many, oh, no. so many frat houses, like with the guy, with him on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, that's man. one, that's one of those movies that's like sort of been reevaluated. And like, I hate when people like, it's like White Sox 99 where people try to like make the through line from Fight Club to Trump. And I'm like, okay. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. I don't need to do that. Like, no. But, um. Can we not have, like Trump already kind of ruined talking about anything. Yeah. Like, can we not have him ruin shit from 25 fucking years ago <laughs> yeah. too? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, this is how Al Green is uh <laughs> it's the reason we have trump or whatever. yeah <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it's like paulie shore or seth green that's responsible right. yeah yeah not al, think, al, not al green yeah that's the wrong poll i think paulie shore brought us directly to trump i think biodome was a direct was a direct line yeah there's uh there's some subtext in biodome that we didn't really get until now sometimes you get that beautiful moment where the both the art and the fan base suck royally like fish, you know? And it's just like, like what? Like fish, fish, the band, you know? Oh, oh. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. And it's just oh, all around. It's like 360 yeah. sucking. That's so funny. That's yeah. so fucking funny, man. You are, you're, you're right. This ain't no fish's fan bases or losers. You talk to any of them and you're like, you're like, how many times have you seen fish? And they're like, I've been traveling with them for about 11 years now. You're like, what the fucking get a life, you fucking loser. Your life is just fish concerts. Fucking go have a kid. I don't know. Fucking what do you work? What do you do? Yeah. I yeah. know absolutely nothing. I mean, next to nothing about fish. And like, what is, I don't understand what the appeal is. And I don't like, do they have, what's their most famous song? All right, I, let me talk some fish here. Because yeah, get in there. Get our, yeah. I, I have a cousin, I hope he listens to this, Craig, who is like a monster fish fan and has been trying for decades to get me and my other cousin, Matt, into, into <laughs> fish. To the point, still- and, we, and I'm always like, I hate that shit. Please, no. And it got to the point where he bought us tickets to go see them in Madison Square Garden yes. with, without asking us. And it was, and then <laughs> without, proceeded, without, without your consent, you would say. Yeah. Non-consensual ticket purchase. <laughs> and then proceeded to tell us how much it was and how like he'd spent so much. And it was like, uh, we have to, to go yeah. to guilt us in. He comes up here, gets me drunk, gets me high. <laughs> he's like, get, he's gives, like Cosby of concerts. <laughs> <laughs> I got fucking date raped at a concert <laughs> by, by my cousin. 
into, into liking fish. And then, uh, like, hey, then, Todd, have this glass of water. He's fucking LSD. He's sprinkled in it. Gives me and my cousin mushrooms. I'm like, all right, I better take them or what, what, well, you know, what's going to happen. We go into the concert. It's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. The worst people you've ever seen in your life. How'd it smell? Oh God. <laughs> like fish. And <laughs> we, I'm watching the show. Matt is like in another world, my younger cousin. I'm like, the only thing I can do to keep myself from falling apart mentally is to concentrate on how impressive, like the lighting and all that. Like, I'm like, who, I'm like, who climbed up a ladder and like set up that blue light? Cause that's fucking amazing. Cause that's, cause if I think about the music at all, my brain is gonna, it's like, it's bad. Grateful dead is what it is. Bro. Yeah. yeah. And which is still bad, but go on. My cousin proceeds to have a total breakdown. He couldn't concentrate on the lighting. And he like he grabs my arm and he's like, "We gotta leave." So we we escape from Madison Square Garden into the dark, hot night at like thirty third and like seventh, you know, completely ripped on mushrooms. And I'm like, I can't get on the subway or I'm gonna lose it. So we proceed to start walking across Manhattan, and it is like the most intense fucking hour long walk. We get to, I don't know why it was an hour. We only went to Union Square, but we're just like, we get to Union Square and Matt's like, I got to go to the bathroom. So we go in the Starbucks there. He's in the bathroom forever. I'm freaking out. I really want a water. And I go up to the register and there's a, there's a huge line. I go up to the front, grab a water and put some money on the counter. (laughs) And the lady's like, what is this? This is like a dollar. It's two twenty five. And I was like, I'll drink half of it. I I I walk, they, they chase me out of the Starbucks. I'm screaming in the fucking plaza. Like my cousin's in there. He's in the bathroom. I I don't know what's happening. He finally comes out. I'll only drink half a water. I was like, I'll pay half and drink half. It's fucking fine. <laughs> that is fucking negotiation. We finally get home on the train. Oh, man. I ended up, Chris, I ended up calling Adam Burgett from uh-huh. my house because I was like, I, I needed to talk to someone who was sane and like calm yeah. my mind down. And that's what happens if you go to a fucking fish concert. It was wow. just awful. And thank you, Craig. I hope you hear this. I still, I still love you, and I'm never gonna like fish. Please stop sending me YouTube videos. Yeah, that's probably the other thing that sucks with the YouTube videos is they're probably like 49 minutes long. You're like, I'm not gonna sit at my laptop and just uninterruptedly watch this cell phone, grainy cell phone footage of their already not a hit song. Is the appeal just the mushrooms? Like, is it always you right. have to be on mushrooms? Is it just for like people who like to smoke and just want yeah? To part of it's the atmosphere. Out? Part of it's like they are good at their instruments, and they like right. it's like a lot of it's like the song choice. They're like, oh my god, because it's almost like the most epic cover band. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh my god, what's the set list going to be, and how long is the song going to be like? Three minutes or twelve minutes? Like the song length. It's almost like all the little choices. Yeah. Not the actual content of what's happening. Right. But so it's yeah. like jazz, but somehow worse. <laughs> yeah, way, way, way worse. Hippified jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Hi- yeah. Hippified jazz. Yeah. 
I always like I, there's like a certain level of bands that like kind of these aren't like similar, but like Fish and like Sublime. Yeah, Even yeah. Like Dave's Dave Matthews band is like there's like a their audience to me is always like somebody put it so well when they said Dave Matthews band is like lawyer music, <laughs> like, <laughs> music for lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like that that want to rock out on the weekend, but oh, not yeah, 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 they yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. crazy though. Yeah, you, oh, you, shit. you can listen in khakis is, yeah. is, the, <laughs> is, the, is the requirement. Oh, man. I one time uh, messed with one of my friend, uh, Emma. I just like, uh, I remember uh, making her alarm clock like on her phone. Um, a <laughs> Dave Matthews song. But, but, but. But it was, it was, I think it's called Marching Ants and it's their most famous song. And it starts as, she wakes up in the morning. But I, I, I made a version where I looped it. So it was just, it was just every time for four minutes. She wakes up in the morning. She wakes up in the morning. She wakes up in the and just those four minutes of that. Uh, you know, I pray every day, Brett, that you become a billionaire just so you control this. You control this whole stupid fucking world. <laughs> Me too. I'm trying to become, you know, comedy's first billionaire, Todd. Yeah, I support That's, that. Yeah. How do you feel now? You're now the only childless host of of Oh Dear. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you feel I mean, like a renegade? I kind of do. I've long, I've long, it's long made me laugh that I'm like, I'm like Christian and Witt's like young friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? I keep you in touch with the youth right. because I'm more in touch with the youth than you are. Like I'm on TikTok and so I get some of the youth's yeah. culture. And, and energy. You steal some of their their soul. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Why do you think I have such nice skin? Um, <laughs> but uh, so- I'll, I'll- I'll text Brett stuff like, uh, Brett, somebody texted me, I bet. What does that mean? <laughs> and it's like, I, I, it was me. I just texted you that. <laughs> no cap, dude. No cap. No, no cap. cap. Yeah. Which I, I, I didn't know the difference between cap and no cap. I couldn't tell if cap meant that's true and no cap meant no. That's, yeah. that's definitely no cap true. Is not, no, no lie. No cap, no right. cap it, is no lie. I've never heard no cap. No cap, yeah. it's yeah. It's like facts. <clears throat> no, no cap. cap. No cap. No lie. No, cap. no lie. Why are you so what's that dog? what's that coming from? Like I writing in caps? That, like I don't I, know. this is not in caps, like it's it's not exaggerated or something. Maybe. I don't know where it, I don't know the etymology, but uh, well, I, well I gotta check uh, we this do out. This we do know <laughs> it was all the slang comes from there are two groups of people who think of all nope. slang. It's black teenagers mm-hmm. and gay men. Those are the only two people. They come up with all the slang term that slang yeah. that we use at one point originated from, you know, the gays or the blacks. <laughs> um, but I, 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 am I wrong? Somewhere no one. In, yeah. Somewhere in Atlanta, there's a gay black teen who's like the coolest motherfucker in the world. Yeah, for <laughs> like, real. He has a throne. 
<laughs> I, I was just looking up the origin, and even that, I, I can't understand. I got actually. Gonna, it, I'd have to do no, a deep dive. No cap first appeared uh, first appeared in a Jonathan Franzen novel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> turns out the originator of all this slang is another white man, <laughs> a turtle naked white man. <laughs> that would be great if all sl- all slang turned even like ebonics was actually like. <laughs> Oh invented by white people first. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, Al Jolson. You're like, Ugh. Ugh, ugh. but man, that's a, uh, that's a crack. It was just put in the black communities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God. Oh dear. <laughs> that is an, that is an, oh dear. <laughs> that's a, that's an, oh dear moment. Oh, yeah. For sure. Conspiracy talk. Yeah. yeah. Todd, what's your favorite conspiracy? Favorite conspiracy? Or, or um, either from a you believe it perspective or from a this shit just makes you laugh. Um, or They just keep getting better and better. I mean, the the, hor- the horse dewormer, that's really tickling me now. This so evermectin. What is that one? Because here's my here's what I know about horse dewormer. Because I only saw it because Joe Rogan – it got COVID. Takes because Joe Rogan takes it regularly. And, and, and I see the news articles are like, yeah, Joe Rogan's taking her horse dewormer. And I, as someone who's not in medicine, I just go like, I just, I just don't trust dewormer. Like, does that sound like something you'd see on a label? No, it's a farm drug for deworming horses that morons who who think the the vaccine is sent by the government to fucking eat your child they're like oh but actually these farm drugs these are the real deal because american farmers use them and if they works on a horse it works on me it's just as absolutely fucking nuts that's why you can't there's no best conspiracy because like you there's surprises around every corner (laughs) what the what the american mind is capable of, of absorbing and then rejecting despite all of the evidence (laughs) <laughs> but just, it's, a, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. They, it's like the institution. They go like, we don't trust like the governor. We don't trust institutions. But then they do choose to trust institutions. They just choose to trust institutions that their their website is like uspatriot.net. Right. You know, like it's like what you're trusting that like that cannot be more trustworthy than you know the the like. I don't know. The, the concessions that are made are so weird because it's like, I don't trust the government, but I'm sending my kids to school. Like, or like, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. take advantage of like certain things, but not other things. And you trust some things, but not other things. It's like the, <clears throat> the, the mental gymnastics of it is like really weird. And like, it doesn't really make sense. And also like one thing about the vaccine conspiracies is like, they they're rolling out, they rolled out COVID so that we would all surrender to this like vaccine. But it's like, why, like what, it's just a lot of work when you can just like put it in the air <laughs> without telling anybody <laughs> Yeah, if they want to like track or whatever, whatever machinations are supposed to be happening. Like, yeah, it's the, the, pe- the people with the smallest brains somehow managed to believe that like the other people have brains so big, they can do like global, right. global networks of like fraud and like things that are would take incredible amount of human intelligence to pull off. Right. And there, and, and, um, uh, and collaboration. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. which which is even harder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. You, having the thought and making the plan, even that is out of the realm of possibility. But then actually executing it in in concert with like other nations. Nope. Never. All seek all secretly, all like, and no one is squealing or like, like take, yeah, the yeah. Moon land, take the moon landing one. It's like, you don't think one person from NASA would have had the conscience to go like, yeah. of yeah. all the hundreds of people, even just like a custodian or someone who, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like they don't, have, they're not even at a higher stake spot. You don't think they would go like, yo, they fucking lied. Yeah. Like one janitor who was like, yeah, I was sweeping up one day and I walked into a room and they had a camera and a film set and seemed like they were filming 2001 or something. They said the piss was going to float to the ceiling and it was all on the ground. I'll tell you that. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's infuriating sometimes, but like, I don't know, it is fun. Yeah, but that is part of something to do. Yeah, in their defense, that's part of the American spirit, isn't it? A little like, isn't it? Do those? Does that mentality sometimes lead toward better results? Because there is, what happens is there is a lot of valid reasons not to trust the U.S. government. Our institutions lie to us all the time. Like we do know the CIA, FBI have done tons of fucked up shit both in this country and out. So like there is, it isn't like, like there is a middle ground of like, yeah, I'm not just like, yes, they're right all the time. You just pick and choose when they're full of shit and when they're not. Yeah. There's, there's skepticism and there's pizza shop pedophile ring. I mean, like there's, there's some room in between there to like, (laughs) be like, all right, maybe I should check twice before I do this or maybe I should wait till, hundreds of thousands of people have tested the vaccine before I take it, which is what happened. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's a way to be skeptical and not be absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. The weird thing to me about like a lot of the conspiracy things is like the, um, where it comes from is like mostly based off like movies. Like they're, they're all kind of inspired yeah, yeah. by movies. So like, the the imagination of it that's true like the broadness yeah. of a conspiracy theory is like limited by the imagination of like the basic hollywood screenwriter so it's like <laughs> like it doesn't even come from like like john lacare novels you know what i mean it's like it's all coming from like deep impact or something yeah <laughs> like which makes like which makes me realize since jews run hollywood <laughs> and hollywood is implanting the conspiracies right the entire collapse of American democracy will be the fault of Jews. You heard it here first on Oh Dear from a Jew. And, uh, and, 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 and corroborated by a Gentile. Just for the record. Uh, I, got, I got to say here on live on the air, Brett, that article you wrote on, uh, on your screenplay. Christian and I co-wrote it for was, the record. I mean, was so fucking good, and I and I thought of it because of Christian's like you are allowed to read this note. Oh, that was so funny. Front, which that is was, just such a brilliant fucking move. Let's give credit where credits due. Can we tell the real story of this article, Brett? I mean, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Here's the real story. Brett wrote an article. He he had an idea for this this article that he wanted to write. And uh, he sent it to them. And the whole the whole premise of the article is about optics, art and optics, about whether it's okay for like a person of a, a certain ethnicity to write about topics that are not 
you know, of their ethnicity or whatever. Or More specifically, in my case, a crack ass motherfucker. <laughs> who's qualified to write about certain topics and you know, whatever. And that's basically what the, the whole article was all about. And that's the, essentially the thing. And Brett sent it to me. I looked over. I was like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. You should send it out. So Brett wrote it, sent it, sent it out. And they go, do you think you could have Christian write something on here? Because we're kind of afraid. And I was immediately like, no, like that's the whole point. Dude. And I remember asking Christian, I remember like, you know, Christian's one of my best friends. And even as I'm asking it, I'm like, I just feel like I'm using you for your skin color. Does that make sense? Like I, even as I was asking, can you write something or, it was just like, hey, so you're not white. Can can I just put your name on this? Cause- exactly. That's like, it's, it's exactly what, what was going on. And I was just like, like they were like, can you write a paragraph or something? I'm like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Just because it's exactly the opposite point of what we're trying to make here. Yeah. Make. And then, so I, I just like, just went as meta as you could be and, and just wrote that one sentence forward. About that was, it was basically the most real thing I could write about that. It was so good. I feel like that happens to, it's like the stamp, it's like the POC stamp of approval. Right. It happens in books too, like a white person will write a book on like blackface and then a black person will write the introduction just to like make sure like, you know, but <laughs> that happens like to an extent on Instagram. I feel like people will like, if they hang out with their black friend or their like Latinx friend or whatever, they're like, make sure to post a picture with that person. Be like, check this, check this out, dude. I hung out. We hung out. I'm not that white. And it's just like, (laughs) and I feel like you get more, like if I hung out with my white friend, you might get one Instagram story. Yeah. But if I hang out with like my black friend, there's gonna be like seven stories. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, we really had fun, and yeah, this person uh, loves me. It was just a 45 minute coffee too. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, there's why is there 25 photos? Uh, it's akin to like it's like akin to having a celebrity picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It is. Ran into Hugh Jackman. It's the same as like having. Yeah, yeah, Hugh Jackman. You're not friends. You're not actually (laughs) doing anything with Hugh. Your interaction was, "Can I get a photo?" And Hugh was like, (sighs) (laughs) (sighs) "That's yeah." And that was that's what interesting about that article. You're right. Is the point is to be like, it's like. The point is to not care solely about optics, even though, make no mistake, someone like, you know, if you're wading into an area that you're not the quote unquote, like person of color within that, then obviously you can have like kind of a raised eyebrow or be ready to be more cautious. But if it's done well, I think then it's done well. If it's done shitty, then it's done shitty. But if you write something shitty just about a racing cars movie, yeah. Then you just wrote a shitty. It's shitty because it's shitty, but it's not yeah. shitty because, like, uh, it came from you know a white guy. It's shitty because it's shitty, yeah. and yeah. it happened to have been written by a white guy. And maybe part of the reason why it's shitty is he's white and whatever. He's not as well versed in that world, that community, whatever the fuck. But yeah. it's we're bad because it's bad, not because. And I think there has been many examples taught of like. Maybe like there was like, I, I don't know the story if maybe I'll reproduce it not well, but there was like a writer, I think he wrote about like a Chinese, like a kid, but, and 
when people found out it was a white guy who wrote it, they there was like a you know a backlash. Even well, though they, were, they had praised the novel, do you know what I'm referencing? It's super vague. No, but it reminds me there was a, a white poet who like sent out a poem that he had been getting, like was rejected by all these journals over and over. And then he sent it out with like a fake Asian identity and it ended yeah. up getting, and it ended up getting published. That was, a, that was like a while back and that he got found out. Yeah. That's that, that I, that's different. And that's like extreme. It's fucked. It's extremely fucked. Yeah. That I'm like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not about to change my name to like, you know, <laughs> Jamarcus Raybould. <laughs> we're like, all right, dude, that's fucked up. Yeah, but isn't that messed up on both sides, though? Like, yes. for him doing it and then them for, like, a little, yeah. Like, I mean, it more, yes, more messed up on the on the poet side because the journals, at least, again, like the intention is like, let's lift more of these voices because they sure. haven't had a, they haven't had a chance to say anything yet, and. You know, it's still like choosing to accept a thing that a, a poem that might not be worthy of acceptance is still fucked up, but yeah. not as fucked up as lying about your identity. And here's what here's my problem with all this is like I'm on the side of of allowing right. voices that haven't been heard right. yeah. to be heard. But it's like it's just so it's so it, it's not fair to, it's to so them annoying. at a certain point. Right, it's not yeah, fair to the right, the Asian writer too. If if their poems getting accepted, not because of the quality, right. they're gonna forever like be stuck at that middle ground and think that like this right. is this is me at my peak artistic level, and, and they're then, you know they, they might miss that like grind moment where like you really get better because you have to, right to to make to leap the hurdle, and then it, it, there's just two things. It also opens up the thing of like when you start becoming known for who you are as like, not as like this ethnic writer, you just become the writer you are and you start getting criticized. You're going to like, Whoa, where's this coming from? Oh, these, these are all haters, haters, haters. Yeah. It just opens that up to like, it's exactly what you just said. I'm just saying it dumber, but, um, like, <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> look look how many books he's got behind him. What is that? Oh, yeah, what, is yeah. that a, what is that? A WWE championship belt behind you, Chrissy? <laughs> I wonder who's going to articulate it more intelligently. Yeah. yeah. But, no, it's a it's 100% true. And then it's just like you, you get to the spot and you just plateau because you have no sense of like, because you're fucking hoisted for not a for cynical reasons. Yeah. Which right. is funny in a way. Cause like the, the obstacles are the reason that like black art, black generated art right. is the dominant force in America. Like the best things America has done blues, which gave us the rock music, mm -hmm. jazz, soul. These are all black inventions that like emerged from struggle and have now come to define America around the world. And it's like, I'm not saying we should give struggle to people. Absolutely yeah, 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 yeah. We should make it easier, but we should also like appreciate the fact that like sometimes it's hard to like have your art be accepted and seen and like celebrated because most people make shitty art. That's just the fucking right. reality. Because yeah. art, because like even people who are great or amazing or very good make shitty art just because it's inevitable. Like it's part of making good art is having some that sucks 
you know, the Beatles have songs that are terrible. Like uh, the Rolling Stones have almost exclusively terrible songs. So it's like this thing of, no, but it is true. Like, <laughs> it is like, I know we're not, we're not big Rolling Stones stands. Uh, you guys yeah. were like, celeb- when the drummer died, you guys had like a group chat. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, thank God. And like Ted Nugent has put out like a good song too. Like, God, yeah, yeah. Eva. It's, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's good enough. It's good enough, but, uh, no, but I, it is, uh, it is part of the getting, there is this association that like, because I'm, and not me specifically, but some people, uh, including I'll say people of color too, like that it's an injustice that they themselves aren't very successful at this highly competitive, almost lottery like pursuit be it comedy or music or whatever, like it's, but it's not an injustice toward, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard to fucking succeed. So sometimes dipping into, you know, a little bit of the, like I'm oppressed because I'm not famous. And this is, uh, I kind of resent that. And white guys do it too, for the record. I, to be clear, this is like white guys absolutely do it. You'll hear white guys kind of just be like, probably the most, probably (laughs) probably at this, I mean, especially since there are the most white guys probably pursuing like fields like comedy or music. So it probably, I would agree. It does happen. Well, God, like now that it's like just a little bit harder for white men to succeed. It's like, we're all dying. It's like, Oh my God. All right, man, it'll never happen again for white men. And it's like, like, well, that guy just proved it with that guy. Who's like, he's the perfect epitome of that where he's like, no, well, if I was fucking Asian, I'd be published already. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Though. But yeah. it, even that is like, it's not fully, <laughs> like, it's not, that's not, it's like art is so subjective. Right. So it's like, it's not like art is like, that is the eight out of 10 art. Like, you know, you look at a painting, you think it's beautiful. I look at a painting, I think it could suck. So like, I, I, you know, in his case, it is, the name has relevance and, you know, that, that, uh, those publications, there aren't as many Asian writers probably right in america um, yeah but the the main point is the making of the art is in some ways not subjective in the sense that like you yourself and the effort you put you get better and you know you get better and like if you're just like oh i'm going to change my name to asian to make it work for other people you're not actually concerned with making good art or like improving yourself. That's true. You're just concerned with like your poem getting accepted by like crazy horse mm-hmm. journal and like <laughs> celebrating it on Twitter. Like my poem got, got an acceptance letter today from crazy horse journal. And I almost vomited from the joy. Dude, people <laughs> post that kind of shit all the time. Yeah. I'm like, please, when your poem gets accepted, we don't need to fucking know. Yeah. Maybe share it when it publishes, but like, it's just like, there's the what people want out of being an artist is so different from what it is to be an artist. Yeah. And they're just like whining about all the wrong fucking things like whine because like you don't have enough money to afford the paint or the canvas or whatever it is like those are real problems for your yeah. art. The other shit is all fucking bullshit yeah. and it's am- it's just amateur hour people wanting to fucking be celebrated 
And Dude. I guarantee you it's mostly white men that are mad that they're not getting celebrated. <laughs> Certainly. No fucking, no fucking doubt. Certainly, and I don't think I get enough credit on this podcast for what I've been through. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, you're absolutely right that I think a lot of people make art to be like, look at me, it, yeah. comedy too, like look at me rather than like, you know, this is a vehicle for like self-expression and that should be the most important thing, but and outcomes matter and outcomes beget an ability to do the art at a higher um, reach, which is part of like a component of your reach. It has relevance to the impact of the art, which has relevance to like how good it's perceived as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I think when the, when so much of the focus does feel outcome based, that's when you're never actually going to make something that is great because you were like wanting to, it's like when you can see like someone in our case, make a little comedy sketch. That's like a copy of a copy of something that you've seen go viral. Yeah. Like you can tell it's like a, it's been Xeroxed yeah. and now it's like not as yeah. it's like uninteresting. Cause it's like, Oh, you did what you saw and not your own thing. And so that's why it's not that good because yeah. you just want views or you just want likes or something. It's like yeah. why I, I don't like Jared Leto as an actor because every time I see him, he's he's acting so hard. To show you how hard <laughs> he's just showing you how every time he's acting, he's he wants you to notice how hard he's acting. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's just for like he's acting for his reel. You know what I mean? Like he's acting for the next gig. Definitely. <laughs> There's some other actors like that too, but it's like that's not the point. The point is for you to seamlessly fit into this story, not for you to like get noticed. But that relates yeah. to his shit antics behind the camera too, That's where he true, like, yeah. he wants us like he heard us talk about some of the stuff Heath Ledger went through mm-hmm. that. I think P authentically went through. I mean, he did die. So that's, that's uh, authentic. That's authentic. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> nothing more authentic than death. That's true. I don't think Heath Ledger as you, you know, oh, overdose was like, they're going to talk about me so much at the Oscars. <laughs> um, but he, he heard those, some of those stories about, yeah, probably the mental bullshit Heath Ledger went through. And he was like, God, I want people to feel like I went through that too. So let me, let me have my assistant go to Petco, buy a rat, <laughs> starve to death, and then have my assistant mail it to Will Smith, who begrudgingly gave me his address out of professional courtesy. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we're coworkers. I, this, this makes me th- – uh, the book world is very good at helping you see the divide f- between these two kinds of successes because there's the moment when you publish in hardcover and it's like sometimes the external factors like – timing, identity, title, whatever can make the book succeed as a hardcover. But then when it goes into paperback and it go we call it the back on the back list, then you see if a book can really sell. And if you publish a book like 1984, it'll back it'll backlist forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like when the content of the thing is good, it can sit in the back of the publishing house and make money eternally. And it's both on terms of capitalism and, and commercial quality better than a big hit hardcover and it's better in content for the people who actually read it. And it's just like the difference between 
a flash in the pan, hardcover success, and a like a cent- literally century long backlist ex- uh, success is immense. It's an immense difference. And you're either after one or the other. And like, you kind of have to decide. And the front, the hardcover flash in the pan success is even harder and even more like a lottery. And like, you're probably going to lose it. That's true. I mean, that's true in like movies too. It's like you, you, there's a lot of movies that opened at number one, you know, that weekend that you never watch. And then there's movies that flop like Fight Club that have made so much money over those 20 years and so much conversation like DVDs, especially when DVDs were big. It's like Fight Club, I'm sure, has made more money than like Along Came Polly. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is a solid rom- solid rom-com. Great. It is. A, that is a solid rom-com. It's a fine movie, but at the same time, it's like... One Fuck movie. you, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> but go on, sorry, sorry. Uh, but no, that was, just, that was just my point. But I do want to bring up one one thing because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both both big music fans. All right, the wrestling fans. segment. What is it? <laughs> Here we go. We're big music fans. That's true. You guys are big music guys. You guys are my go-to for for any bands or music. And we talked about the idea of the pretty good movie. Here it goes. Pretty good bands. Pretty good bands. Uh, 1975 comes to mind for me, where I kind of thought they were these. Like, have you heard of them, Todd? No. I haven't. All right. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him and I, I've listened to a song or two, but I don't I don't know him well enough to do. Here's the best example of pretty good. And I they're famous. So I'm not just naming a proper noun. No one knows. Drake. Drake is perfectly pretty good because Drake's music. Wait, it's, so the yeah. black member of our podcast asked the two white guys for their music rack and Brett comes in with hip hop? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm not even a hip hop head for the record. I'm, you know, I like a little bit of hip hop. There's some amazing people in it. But uh, Drake is pretty good because Drake is like, it's all music that can be on and you're not going to be like, the fuck is this? It's all going to like, you know, be fine, kind of catchy. But there's like Drake isn't like trying to. Exp- there's nothing any left that Drake has to express that's perhaps interesting, or at least he hasn't dug into it because all of his albums are the same shit. Like Haha, I kind of fuck and I'm sometimes sad about it, and, <laughs> and like you're kind of like yeah, I got it. Like I got it. Like that was kind of a novel when you made it the first album, but you made seven of those. So, and it's kind of like these slightly tropical ish beats, uh, this very similar drum snare drum. So I think Drake is Drake's a very pretty good artist. Yeah. The one that going further back, the one that came to mind for me, was like the Eagles. The Eagles are pretty good. Like they make you feel good. Like they're pretty good. And I think that's why like, in uh, Big Lebowski, it's so funny when he like the car gets robbed and they take the eagle, they take the Credence tapes and they leave him the Eagles tapes, and he's so fu- he's like they left me the fucking Eagles, and he's so pissed. And what's funny is that like Credence is like really good, pretty good, and the Eagles are like kind of cringy, pretty good. And so like for him to get so mad that he ended up with the Eagles and not Credence is just like, it's, it's hilarious because it's just degrees of pretty good. (laughs) Credence though has Credence has like totally been like, I don't even know their music beyond. There's two. 
those two that are in every movie, we were like, all right, this is in 1970. Like, yeah, we're, we're, you just, yeah, they're like, and I'm me, and I'm me. <laughs> the laziest film thing ever. It's the yeah. laziest film thing ever. We're like, all right, we have a hot helicopter coming in, so <laughs> throw on CCR. And I'm me. Oh, well, welcome, welcome to welcome to the six. Welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Credence can be very good, but and that song is very good, but massively overused. Massively overused. The amount of times someone has said "Oh, 900 hours" in a movie while well, that yeah. song is playing. <laughs> I want to see the other Credence songs because I was thinking for some reason I confused it with Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, yeah, looking out my back door, Bad Moon Rising. Uh, the number one on Spotify. Have you ever seen the rain? Oh, yeah. I know that song. But yeah. Credence, one of the things that does push them, like they have a sound, man. Like that's yeah. like, I always felt like you guys are music people. There, by this is a side thing, but one thing that is really funny to me about music, um, and it comes through me and a friend of mine, Eli. We play this game on our phones called Quiz Planet. One of the sections is music, and I know a lot about music pop culturally. Eli doesn't, but Eli is classically trained in jazz drumming. Like he's like a fucking amazing jazz drummer, like kind of like Whiplash, uh, like those same schools. And it's just really funny that I get to like crush him in music, like as if I know more about music than him, because I know what Christina Aguilera's two biggest hits are. You know what I mean? But like he knows theory and he knows how to fucking play it. And it's like, well, I just know more about it. Yeah, That's so um, but uh, he said the funniest thing r- real quick about Whiplash. You know, you know the movie Whiplash, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. That movie. That was like great very, movie. Very one good. Of the movie. Last movies to like really blow me away. That I was yeah. like, dude, who directed this? Yeah, holy shit! The, it felt really fresh. It was. Yeah. It really is. Uh, that Damien Chazelle. Chazelle. That guy's talented. Um, but Eli, my friend, who he actually worked like he was in those schools, like those like classic jazz drumming schools. And his take on it was he was like, bro, that movie as a jazz drummer, he's like, that movie is so tacky. And I was like, <laughs> what? I thought it was like cool and shit. He's like, no, 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 no. You have to understand. He was like, he's like, he's like drumming till his hands bleed. You know, how corny that is. And he, I was like, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, this is his dedication. He was like, dude, that'd be like, if you were like, I need to be a better comedian. And then you were writing jokes in your notebook till your hands bled. <laughs> it's like, you're like, you know, you put it like that. If I saw that in this stand-up comedy yeah. movie, like I'm going to write these jokes so intensely. So, oh, that's, so funny. that's a good take on jazz and whiplash. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think we were both in jazz band in like high school, but it was like, oh yeah, me and Chrissy were fucking jazz stars. It was nothing ever like that. That was so most of, I realized most of the time the band was just our teacher trying to get everybody to stop talking. (laughs) 80% of it was just him going like, all right, who's talking? Shut up. And and then to practice at home so that like he could just have no one talking and playing the parts correctly. Yeah. And getting there was impossible. There was one point because we used to do these things called festivals. So you go in and like it was like a, not a competition really, but like you just like go in and like you practice these three songs for like four months or whatever. And uh, and then you go in and then you're like graded. So you get a score of superior, 
Oh my god, I forgot about this. Superior. Wow, dude. I wanted that superior so bad. You get a medal. They would give you a little medal for a superior. Holy shit. And then when you then when you do your concerts, you wear all your medals. Uh, so people know that you're, oh, shit. you're you're like a piece of shit military person, except exactly. you haven't saved any lives. <laughs> but I remember there was one year where we were like nobody would practice. I think it was like my senior year or something, where like no one would practice. Sure. And, we, and he was like, like he, our our band teacher, like he didn't talk to us. He was so pissed at us for like fucking around that like he didn't talk to us going up until festival and i think we still got a superior and he was still mad about it (laughs) (laughs) like he he was basically still like i mean we got a superior but whatever you guys didn't really try hard you didn't earn it you you didn't earn it you could have been supreme you motherfuckers instead (laughs) you're coasting off your natural talent bro that's there's nothing wrong with that yeah there's nothing wrong with coasting yeah, yeah yeah but Anyway, I think that's about it. We got an hour in here. Um, we yeah. should let you guys go. Todd, you were, you were the guest. What do you have to plug? Um, nothing at the moment. If you bring me on next year, I'll I'll have some things to plug. Ooh, tease. Couple Ooh. books, but couple books coming next year. Ooh, oh wow, that's wow. exciting. That's very exciting. Um, oh, cool. so you know, stay tuned for those. What about folks. you, cats? I know you're you're doing a comedy show right right around the corner from ah, me, which I'm excited. That's true. About. If anyone is in New York, uh, go to my Instagram. Uh, we're doing a stand-up show at the house I live in. Um, you can find the details on my Instagram. I'll message you the address. And uh, it's in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. So come to that. It's going to be fun. we got Chrissy on the lineup. Uh, Whitmer is a uh, maybe uh, for doing the spot, depending obviously on his newborn situation. So mm-hmm. it's going to be great. we got a great lineup. There's like five or six hilarious comics on it. Yes, I will be there. All my dates are at christiandurancomedy.com for all your Christian Duran needs. My album, King Latifah, is streaming on all streaming platforms. I feel like I, sh- I need to keep reminding people that it's that it exists and it's out there. I, my streams Absolutely. I've been, I was telling Brett, I, I really, because on Spotify, you can like compare your streams to other people. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was just like, I really want to post my streams compared to other comedians that I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I am like crushing certain people. But especially, specifically the ones that are kind of dicks and yeah. are like past or in at more clubs. Yeah, you just want to uh, be like, you know what? I'm actually moving the needle more than this idiot. That's right. <laughs> the folks are coming back for these tracks. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, again, thanks so much, Todd, for coming on. And uh, yeah. have a great week, guys. Happy to be here. Congrats, Whitmer. Bye-bye.